This is Unplugged, 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 Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Unplugged. We have been talking about the subject of suffering. And for context, we're talking about suffering according to God's will. We have laid a foundation for a lot of questions that disturb our minds, a lot of questions that keep, you know, coming up, a lot of questions that we wrestle with when we are going through suffering. You know, we address what is suffering according to God's will versus not according to God's will. And we shall touch more on that. I, I believe that's how we shall uh, wrap up on this series by kind of rounding up the conversation to understanding what is suffering according to God's will versus not according to God's will. We have looked at why does God allow suffering? We've talked about why do we need to suffer? Why do we also need to embrace our suffering seasons? Trials expose the weakness of the flesh and awaken you to the power of the spirit. Trials force you to draw strength from the spirit man because your flesh runs out. There is a learning that happens in suffering. And God uses that opportunity to strip every dependency that's not on God off of us many a times you will not realize how much you depend on other people to be the solution to your problems how much you depend or think that money is the answer or depend on your spouse depend on your boyfriend your girlfriend just generally the things that we depend on we don't realize that it becomes a hitch. I mean, it becomes a crutch for us in our lives. So during seasons of suffering, one of the things that I've learned is that you get to a point where you learn that at the end of the day, God is the only person that I should put my hope and trust in. Because during a suffering season, you realize that sometimes you're at a point where no one can bail you out. You know, it could be a, a, a situation of past trauma. It could be a heartache. It could be a broken heart. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be um, trying to pray someone out of a sickness. You know, maybe you have a loved one who's been dealing with a sickness for a long time. And now you're forced to be at the altar of prayer. You know, the doctors are not giving any good reports. They're not very optimistic of how this situation is going to turn out. In those moments, there's a point during suffering where you realize that ultimately God should be the one that we put our trust and hope in. We should not put our hope and trust in human beings. Yes, God does use human beings but you have to understand that it is god that uses human beings many people look at for instance 
themselves as their providers. They totally forget that the breath in their lungs is from God. So you could work Monday to Friday oblivious of that fact. You could go January to, let's say, June, and all is well. And you think it's your power, it's your might, it's your gym routine, it's your diet that is keeping you firing on all cylinders. And then a sickness plagues your body. Not even not even a terminal illness, just a, you know, we could even talk about like a flu or a cold. And it puts you out of commission. And so in those moments, you realize it's like a it's like a wake-up call that you know what? I am not as strong as I think I am. That there are certain situations in life that are mountains. And the only way we can climb over them is only by the grace of God. There's some situations in our lives where reality hits that, you know what? I ain't all that. I remember there was a season in, in my life when I was dealing, going through the suffering of a sickness. Before that sickness, I was... It was it was one it was it was it was it was a demonic attack, but it was a sickness that really leveled me, and it was during that time that that really for me was an encounter was was a situation that really caused me to pivot on what direction I was taking in life. But I remember being in that moment where. I was being prayed over and I couldn't even lift a fork or a spoon. I remember thinking it was only a couple of weeks ago that I was at the gym at my full strength. It was only a couple of weeks ago that I was um, deadlifting two plates, three plates, squatting this much weight, bench pressing this running at full throttle and now here i am and my life is hanging on a thread i felt my life ebbing away i felt myself transitioning to the other side it was a moment that i'll never forget where in one moment you felt like you had this supernatural strength and then a few weeks later some people unfortunately can happen within a day but one moment you're strong and, and, and feeling mighty and feeling that you can conquer, you can climb Mount Everest. In another moment, you need someone to put food in your mouth. I never felt so vain. I never felt so helpless. I was at a point where I was suffering. And I realized that it was, I realized that my good diet could not help me in that situation. My gym fitness or physique could not help me. At that point, even if you put on the table the amount of money that I, I wanted at that, in that season of life, it would have been useless. 
that could not get me off of that deathbed. It was a tough season of my life. Perhaps the toughest season of my life where it felt that nothing in the natural could really help me. There was only left one card to play and that was the hand of God. Unfortunately for me, that card was there. It was available for me to play, to pull out. And I started to climb back when I got off the deathbed. And I started to, I remember even taking 10 steps was a dream. I would take 10 steps, taking a hundred steps was a dream. I'll take 10 steps in the afternoon and I'll say, and I'll hope that one day there's coming a day when I'll be able to comfortably walk around the block. Then when I started to take 20 steps and 30 steps and I started to have hope that maybe there's coming a day when I'll be able to, you know, walk a kilometer without or maybe even after walking a hundred steps and not come back home and feel that all the energy out of your body is gone. And now you get to wait and take your next 10 steps or 20 steps or 30 steps the next day. It was a, it was a reality check. But in those seasons, in those moments, those are moments when you start to contemplate on life. What really has meaning in life comes to the surface. The noise is stripped away. In those moments, it was in those moments during that season when I realized that only a few people that I could really need in my corner mattered. It was the people who could kneel down besides that bed and pray for me. At that moment, you realize that a million Instagram followers is not the answer. You realize that having too many friends is not the answer. Being loved by everybody is not the answer. In that moment, I only needed people who could believe and pray. People who had leverage with God to intercede for me. So in those moments of suffering, your true relationships are revealed. Your true friends are revealed. You'll see the, 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 the importance of having a praying family. So, and this is the case with many people. It's in this something about going through suffering where you stop looking at it as a strange thing. And that leads us, that's a segue into what has been the foundation scripture, the context scripture for this series on suffering. But before we get to that, Um, 
in first Peter chapter four, verse 12, it talks about beloved. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that you, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. It says, count it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing is happening unto you. What the writer the apostle Peter is trying to tell us is that when you're in a season of suffering, when you look at it as a strange thing, when you look at it as this is not my portion, this is that they, but again, we're talking about suffering in a certain context, according to the will of God. It says, don't count it. Don't think it a strange thing concerning this fiery trial, which is to try you. It's talking about it's trying you. It's trying that inner man, that inner woman in you. During suffering, before I forget, in the book of Jeremiah, we see some scriptures that talk about how there's another scripture that says some put... Um, some trust in horses, others trust in chariots. Some trust in horses and chariots. But we shall trust and believe in the name of the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 to verse 8, we see something that talks about our trust in God. It says, thus says the Lord. Cursed be the man that trusts in man, and makes flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. It says, you are cast if your trust is in man. In seasons of suffering is when is your only chance to build that bridge of loyalty and trust on God. Because in a season of suffering, you realize that you are helpless. You need help. And there's some times when human beings can't even help you. Let's say that could be let's say during a season of sickness. Um, perhaps it could be a season of when you're struggling financially and, 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 and the answer is not to go through getting another loan borrowing more money where you keep digging the ditch deeper and deeper perhaps it's a season of uh misunderstanding between you and your spouse and your marriage is on the rocks perhaps it's a season of you know breakdown of communication of distrust of of of, of, of kind of like rebellion between you and your teenage daughter, you and your teenage son. Perhaps it's a season where you've been unfairly, you know, treated, you've been mistreated. People have been talking bad about you. 
and you're in a situ situation where you can't keep defending yourself, perhaps it's a situation where your partner, your spouse, your husband, or maybe your wife has cheated on you, or, you know, that season where you realize that help can only come from the Lord. Jeremiah says, cursed be the man that says the Lord. Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes his flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. It says, for he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the perched places in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. But it says, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. The contrast here is, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Then it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, such as the heart. I try the reins, even to give to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. That is very, there's a lot for us to learn from those that those you know that passage of scripture those that passage of scriptures during suffering i'm talking about how you realize that you're helpless and that your only hope should be in god you realize that man your friends can't help you they can talk words of encouragement but they can't scrape away the pain it's, you realize that it's only God that can scrape away the pain. You realize that it's only God's comfort that can clothe you. you, you, you you're supposed to draw nigh unto him, and he will draw nigh unto you during the suffering season. However, some people go the opposite direction. During a suffering season, when they, it should be the moment of drawing nigh to God and holding on and saying, even saying if it means like Job, we looked at the context of Job's suffering in the last in, in the previous episode, where it talks about which is though he slay me, yet will I still trust him. Some people during moments and seasons of suffering, they go far away from God because they think he no longer cares about them. So to really understand why does God allow suffering, one of the questions that I, I posed to you for better context, I said for us to understand why do we need to suffer? Why do we need to embrace our, our suffering seasons? Why does God allow suffering? To accurately discern and understand what is happening 
in the context of suffering according to God's will, there is a higher question that we need to first talk about, which is how do we end up on suffering street? You see, before you're in a situation where now God is letting you suffer, we need to backtrack. There's another question we need to ask. How do we end up on suffering street? And I say we end up on suffering street, and the first time we see this happening in the book in, in the Bible is in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, we see the first time man ended up on suffering street, eating by the sweat of his brow, when man was separated from God, when man was discharged from the <laughs> Was, was evicted from the Garden of Eden, when woman would start having painful childbirth, when there would be an enmity between man and the serpent, when the ground would be cursed. We need to look at that and say, how did we end up on suffering street? The first time that we encountered suffering, how did we end up there? Because I believe that gives us key information into our own lives before we can go to why is God allowing suffering? Why am I suffering? Why do I need to suffer? So the answer is simple. Well, the answer is not simple, I should say, but it's easier to say than, but the answer is right here in the book of Romans chapter five, verse 19. It says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. It says, for, by, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So we see this happening and if we backtrack to romans chapter 5 verse 12 it talks about wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world so now we see how sin entered into the world it was on the hinge of disobedience so then if we backtrack to romans chapter 12 it, tell, it tells us it says wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Then it goes to talk about, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of him that is to come? So, we see, then it goes on in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it talks about, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, but it says, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Christ Jesus. So, we see how the first time we ended up on what, I, what I'm calling suffering street was because of disobedience. And as a human being, you won't know how much disobedience 
is in your member, you want to know how much disobedience is in your vessel, the flesh, until, you know, you, you won't realize how much disobedience we walk in. I mean, because that is how the first fall of man happened, and that kind of became that that corrupted our dna so every human being when they're born that it's kind of like think about it like you're talking about like a, a, a production line in a manufacturing plant there's a defect on us when we come out and in in it is called disobedience there is another it's called arrogance pride these things they are in our flesh but we'll focus on disobedience disobedience we see that the reason as to why because we, 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 we've looked at the scripture that said by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous okay let us go to the one who perfected the art of obedience and that's one Jesus Christ. So in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, we see a very interesting scripture. It says, though he were our son, it's talking about Jesus Christ. It says, though he were a son, it says, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. So that's also very interesting. That tells us that even Jesus Christ says, it says he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. So there's something about suffering that it narrows you in. It strips away it causes you, let's say, I use this example in the in the previous episode where you start out with simple instructions. You know, God says, you know, God says, you don't need to buy that. You're spending too much, you know, on your budget, your, your, your monthly budget, you, 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 you're buying a lot of clothes, right? You don't need to buy that. You already have that. You don't need to get the newest version. You don't need to buy another phone. But you keep on. Those are small acts of disobedience, but they actually, they look like small acts of disobedience, but they continue feeding the, the, the that attitude. That, 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 that You won't realize that on the surface, they look like small, but what they're doing, it's like they're adding cement on already like 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 the they're adding more corruption uh they dig they just keep digging a deeper a deeper hole you know so you 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 keep on laying tracks of disobedience you won't know it you might just keep on brushing these things aside you won't know that there's a tendency in you to be disobedient that it's hard for you to learn i mean it's hard for you to hearken to listen to take heed to instructions you know you think about it like uh, a child that you keep on telling, don't touch that. It'll burn you. 
Don't touch that. It will burn you. And every time you keep pulling them away. Now a day comes when they full on touch that thing, that hot surface, right? And now, unfortunately for them, we're in a situation where maybe their skin has been burnt off. You know, it's now like a third degree burn. It's serious. It's a painful situation. But unfortunately, it was the only way that that understanding that do not touch that means do not touch that. There is danger. Unfortunately, it has taken the, the first few instances and, and utterances of or rebukes of don't touch that. Don't touch it. If you touch it, I'll... Maybe even if, if this child touches it and you give them a spanking, they touch it and you, you know, just as they're about to touch it, you you, you give them a spanking. And, and you say, I told you don't go near there. I told you don't go near there. But then the season comes when you're not there and, and, and they come crying. They've got a third degree ban. You know, unfortunately, it took until feeling that kind of pain for it to finally register in a child's mind that if I touch that, it burns and it, it really burns and I will end up in this situation again. So that kind of puts a barricade. So now they have learned obedience by the things that child has learned obedience by the things which this child has suffered, he or she. The same happens in our lives. The same happens in our lives. And I wanna I want us to look at what David the psalmist says in in in, in, in Psalms chapter 119. There's very interesting scriptures about the context of suffering and learning obedience. Let us look at um, Psalms 119 and see what the psalmist says about suffering. Psalm 119. I believe this is, uh, let's see what David says. Again, we're trying to understand how do we end up on suffering street? And we have established that the primary, the number one way in which we end up on suffering street is through disobedience. So because you have had a track record of disobedience, of saying no, 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 basically evading the simple instructions of God, what ends up happening is you end up having to learn obedience by suffering through, you have to go through the school of hard knocks. Proverbs chapter three talks about taking heed to the instructions of the Lord. Let me quickly read from there and then we'll come back. It says, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. 
so shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Disobedience primarily is, is, is because we lean on our own understanding. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Be not wise in thine, eye, in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You see that? It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Then he goes on to say, Honor the Lord with, the, with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst forth with new wine. Then it says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Neither be wary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he correcteth, even as a father in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. So it's talking about here that it says, despise not the chastening of the Lord. This is what we're talking about, suffering according to God's will. It says, neither be wary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Okay. Then when you come to Psalm 119, we see some interesting things. Psalm 119, verses 65 to 71 is also very interesting. It says, um, wow. It says, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Do you hear that? Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I have kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. Listen to what he says in, in, in verse 71. He says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. That 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 I might learn thy statutes. The law of my mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. The law of thy mouth. Listen to how um, I did talk about embracing um, your season of suffering, the afflictions, the fiery trial. The, before with God, you have to always put things in context because God is a complicated being. You can't analyze God from one side. First of all, it says his thoughts are beyond finding out. 
in, in our humanity, maybe once we put on our glorified bodies, we will have a better understanding. Yeah, we will indeed have a better understanding of God. But even throughout eternity, I don't think we will ever be able to fully grasp an infinite being. So God, you have to put things in context. That's why First Peter was saying, do not count it a strange thing concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Do not count it. It says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you, but rejoicing as much as you partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may also be glad with exceeding joy. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit to the keeping of their souls unto him in well-doing as unto a faithful creature. So, the psalmist here has come to a point where he's giving us insight that there is a benefit to affliction. And this is the part that the gospel is not really being talked about much. Right now, we're all focused. We're learning and hearing about the God of breakthrough, the God of miracle signs and wonders. But on the other side of the coin, there is the gospel of suffering. Now, there is a, there, there, there is some sufferings that you're going to have to just fully out embrace. And we shall talk about more of that. And, and quickly, just to mention them as we go along, such that when we come and start talking about them, you'll be fully equipped. But the types of suffering that Christ, in essence, did not, uh, the ones that Christ went through, there was the suffering of resistance, resisting the devil. He had to resist the devil when he was uh, being tempted 40 days uh, after he had first had 40 days in the wilderness. There was a suffering of persecution. That one will always be with us. There's a suffering of submission. Okay? So there are sufferings that those ones are going to be like until... We enter the new heaven and the new earth. And I talked about that in the last episode. In the new heaven and the new earth, there'll be no persecution. Uh, there'll be no pain. There'll be none of this. But these kinds of sufferings, those ones you have to just know that these are going to be with you until you transition to the other side of heaven. Now, we're now talking about the kinds of sufferings where we are the ones who let ourselves there. And now God is allowing us to suffer in those situations. And one of the reasons we've been trying to establish here is that the first time man ended up on suffering street was because of disobedience. And that is primarily, that is going to be one of the key ways, one of the, one of the first ways in, in how we end up in, in the different suffering seasons of our lives. The psalmist here is saying, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. So the psalmist is, is, is saying, I should not have been in this situation, but the reason I am in this situation is because I went astray. Meanwhile, before he went astray, God had already put provision to keep this person from going astray. 
but he did not obey. He did not listen to those little promptings because in Proverbs chapter three, verses five talks about trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You actually may not realize it, but we are very prideful human beings. It's in our nature. Again, pride was one of the reasons that triggered, was one of the, it says, pride was the reason Satan was kicked out of heaven. Before he was Satan, he was Lucifer. Pride was also one of the reasons that uh, caused Adam, again, we're talking about disobedience, but also it was pride. Uh, because Eve was not Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. Adam could have stopped Eve from saying, no, we can't eat of that. But Adam also wanted to find out, is there a chance, is there a possibility that indeed if I eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, I will be like the most high God? Because that was the peach that Satan, that was the lie that Satan sold him with. So Adam contemplated on that thought that there's a chance that I can be higher than the person that has created me. Because in Genesis chapter 3, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat all the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Meanwhile, God had not said, ye cannot touch it, said, ye cannot eat of it. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. But he's the pride part. This is the seed of pride that Satan planted. He said, for God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. It says, ye shall be as gods. Meanwhile, Adam and Eve had been created in the image of God. So they were already created in the God class. But pride entered in. Pride is interesting. That there's a chance that I could be elevated. So we see that also tying into here, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, where it says, trust, not, trust, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. It says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So pride here on the back of disobedience is how we end up on suffering street. And that's why the psalmist here in Psalms chapter 119 is saying, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. I can remember every situation that I've, I'm, uh, that I've tried to get out of or that I'm still trying to get out of. I can remember evidently that I had a moment to say no. I had a moment not to buy into that lie of deception. And now you don't realize that it starts out as a small, just like it did with Adam and Eve. 
God does know that if you shall eat of this tree, your eyes shall be open, you shall become like gods, knowing good and evil. It is very true. I mean, you can reflect in your own life and you'll see that the sufferings that you're going through, a lot of them, majority of them, it goes back to disobedience. It goes back to a point in time where you did not let the Lord in. You hid this decision from him because you wanted to kind of get away with it or you thought you could get away with it. So now you heed that decision. You didn't invite him into the picture. And now here you are on suffering street. And that's why the psalmist is saying, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But then he says, but now I have kept thy word. And now that he has kept his word, he says, thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. So before the psalmist was not even trying to attend lecture he was running away from the lecture but now the psalmist is the one asking for more lectures he's saying when is the next lecture to learn about your statutes when is the next lecture to learn about your statutes listen to the benefits of getting back on track taking heed to god's instructions after the psalmist has attended these lectures listen to what he says in this 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 was in verse 60 uh verse 67 before i was afflicted i went astray but now i have kept thy word and it says it is in verse 71 he says it is good for me that i have been afflicted this is what i'm trying to say is that there's a moment we have to come to this is good that i've been afflicted that i may learn thy statutes wow it's a point of maturity it's maturity. It's maturity to say, you know what? It is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Now, that is in verse 71. After he's taken a couple of lectures, listen to what he says in verse 97. He says, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all day, all the day. Since thou, through thy commandments, has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. So now that the, the psalmist is now in a posture of reverence, fear, and obedience, and he, he has kind of a point of understanding that it is good for us to walk in obedience and not end up on suffering street, he gives us some insight that it is because of God's instructions and guidances and prerequisites and, 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 and exhortations and edifications and chastenings. He, he learns that through thy, thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Meaning the trouble of life, I can now navigate and not get into deeper troubles of life because why because now i can just lean on your commandments and since the last time i realized that before i was afflicted i went astray now i will not be afflicted by my enemies because guess what thou through thy commandments through your instructions 
through your statutes of obedience, if I follow them, I have become wiser than mine enemies. So perhaps I went through a suffering of a breakup just with uh, a girlfriend because of some acts of selfishness and, 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 you know, but because of that experience and how traumatizing it was and how heartbreaking it was to, to lose a person in essence of, to lose a relationship. First forward, I'm better equipped to walk in, in obedience, to walk in humility, to walk in, in servanthood towards my wife. Because the bad taste of that girlfriend has now put me in a situation where I am not willing to compromise with my wife. I am not willing to engage in such behavior. You see what I mean? Is the psalmist is telling us before I was afflicted, I went astray. But some understanding and learning has come out of it. Because now he's saying, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. So then when you, when you come around, you see that his posture has changed. Now he says, oh, how I love thy law. He says, thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Listen to, to another benefit that happens through our afflictions. In verse 99, he's now even talking about how I have more understanding than all my teachers. For thy testimonies are my meditation. Then he says, I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. Wow. He says, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Because of the understanding that you get through this season of suffering, you come to a point and say, through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every evil way. Wow. So it, it is very interesting when we talk about how do we end up on suffering street? It's through disobedience. Now, in another place, we see this being mentioned in, 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 in Psalm 119, verses 89 to 94. It talks about, it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. Says they continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Listen to this. It says, unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, 
for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. Let me try to find that and read it in another translation here because it is it is really really good it says unless your law had been my delights i should then have perished in my own affliction so some people don't get that chance of having that extension of not perishing so well, let me let me let me quickly read it in another that's Psalm 119, verses 92. This is what it says. Your regulations remain true to this day, for everything said serves your plans. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. Now, um, trying to find... Let me see here. Another, let's try to find another translation here. The might communicate this. Yes, it says, all the whole universe are your servants, therefore they continue this day according to your ordinances. It says, unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. So it also talks about how coming out of this affliction was because this person started to take heed to the instructions of the Lord, right? So there is, we can see a benefit how if we, we can, how we do end up on suffering street is because of disobedience. Listen to what he says here in, in, in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 19. It also gives us context on how do we end up on suffering street. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, it says, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. It's, wow. <laughs> it says, if you be willing and obedient. So we're seeing again the context of like, you can stay away from suffering street. Again, the sufferings that I'm now talking about are the ones where we lead ourselves there by disobedience. And now because God has to kind of strip that dross away for it says, take the dross away from the silver, then shall a vessel finer, then shall be a vessel for the finer. So take when you take this dross off of silver, you get a fine vessel. So when the dross is being stripped away from us, but how could we, it says, if you be willing and obedient, if we started off on being willing, willing and obedient, we would not end up on this suffering street. Then in Job chapter 36, verse 11, 
it talks about if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasantness and joy. Again, we see a context of how sometimes most of the afflictions, let's say financial afflictions and sufferings that we're going through, sometimes we see how we end up there. We didn't involve God in our investment plans. And now the business has gone belly up. So Job chapter 36 verse 11 says, If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in, in pleasures. But if they obey not, <laughs> they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. You see, it's telling us what, we, what we've been studying about. If they obey, they shall spend their days in prosperity and they as in pleasantness. But if they obey not, they shall perish by the sword. So if we obey not, if we walk in disobedience, it's inevitable that we're going to end up on suffering street. That's what we've been talking about. But I, it was interesting that in the last episode, we looked at the context of Job who was walking in obedience. And so I, I felt it important to contextualize Job's suffering because Job was nominated to go to be on the witness stand of suffering by God. But God was faithful and loved him and paid him back because God had chosen to use decided to use Job as an example. Again, there was no one else like him. So that suffering context is different. The one that we've looked at today is the one that is triggered by disobedience. Okay? So we shall, in the next episode, we shall talk about more of what is suffering according to God's will versus not God's will. We'll look at some sufferings in there and we'll talk on some dicey subjects like sickness and disease, luck, uh, financial affliction. We'll, we'll keep talking more on that, but we will also contextualize that. So today we're talking about in this segment, we're talking about how do we end up on suffering street? The psalmist said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. That is how the psalmist found themselves on suffering street. And it's most likely that even us, likewise, most of the time, this is how we're going to end up on suffering street. So, like always, this was unplugged. We hope that this episode blessed your heart. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Sela.